Hey there, sweet peas. Welcome back to Friendless, the only show that tries to teach you how to be a better friend while I lose every friend I have. And this week, I have very special guest Robbie Towns making his return to the show. Robbie is an absolute gem, and it was just the best getting him back to chat. We talk all about setting boundaries, the new paradigm of Canadian art and theater, and how The Legend of Zelda and Pokemon has become my latest stress trigger. All that and so much more, you're gonna love this one. So lay back, relax, set your volume at a reasonable level, and enjoy my interview with the one and only Robbie Towns here on Friendless. I, I was, I've been looking forward to this for so long. You, you know, we, we've already been, you know, we, we were laughing because like we've already been tw- talking for 20 minutes and we've just <laughs> been like just gabbing and didn't even realize we weren't recording yet, you know? And, and it's just, you know, you're, you're just such a, you're just such a joy and you're so easy to talk to. So I just like, I couldn't wait to, to, to get you back on and, and, and share yeah, that, share that glow with the world, you know? <laughs> um, um, so just before we hit record, you were uh, just starting to tell me a little story about you're planning a big move. Um, I yeah. think maybe let's start there. We were trying to move. We were talking a little bit about Pokemon. Mm-hmm. And, yes. And and how like we get so hyper fixated on it. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, we were going to move in December, December 15th. But we actually unfortunately had to back out of that move. Oh, like bummer. December 15th, the night that we we're going to move. <laughs> so oh. it was like. I know. Hey, December fifteenth, apartment in boxes, and you're just like, uh, we actually didn't unpack because I was leaving <laughs> to do a job, January fifth, like, right. and then I'm not back until like June. So wow. if anything comes up, at least we're packed. And right. Jay's like <laughs> stuck in like cardboard. Yeah. <laughs> Luckily, he's like a beast, and he can work in cardboard. I fully cannot. I'm like ADHD. I like have to like. It would just drive me nuts. But. Well, they call them they call them doom boxes, right? You know, is that like, and I have that all the time, where where you have these boxes where you're like, I'll remember what I put in here, and then oh. because you can't see them, it, object it's permanency. Gone. Exactly, exactly. It's like it's like it doesn't exist, and then you, and then, but it is also fun in the other regard because then you'll get to like, you'll pull out a box and you'll be like, what's in here? And you're like, oh, girl, like, oh yeah. You're like, I why? I this is that. exactly why I pack away like all four seasons of my clothes. I was like, yes. oh my goodness, I you just, like, went shopping day. again. <laughs> <laughs> I totally forget that I pack away my clothes. I'm just like, yeah. I have no clothes. I'm like, oh wait, exactly. Um, but I we're talking about like hyperfixating, and mm-hmm. I started Breath of the Wild. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, I'm so right sorry. After. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for your condolences. <laughs> it was it was aggressive. I've tr- Jared's tried to get me to play it for like two years. I've been yeah. like, no, no, I don't want to. And this happened. The move happened. We were like sitting in boxes. I was like, I think it's time for some gaming. Mm-hmm. And oh my goodness, I lost my life. I mm-hmm. lost my life. And it was just like, I am now Link. Um, this world is now, like, all I do is go home and play Zelda. Yeah. I It was intense. I yep. only made it through, like, half the game, and I'm scared to turn it on. Yes. I turned it on once in rehearsals. I woke up at 2 a.m. Like, I can't do that. Blackout. <laughs> yeah. I, well, you know, it's so funny. It's it's it, So that was my experience with, with Pokemon Violet recently. That was my thing. It just, like, took my life over. And it's so funny that you mentioned Zelda because – um, when I when I had my first Switch a couple of years ago, I I tried playing it and I kept on I kept playing it, but I kept on not feeling like something was clicking. And I ended up um, selling the console, selling the game, 
and only recently rebuying one and um you know i've got it on there now and my partner sarah is playing it and and she loves it like she's obsessed with it and so i keep on watching her play and being like oh i need to give this another shot because so many people rave about it and and i feel like i need to i need to try again you know because it, it you, looks well, like, like i'm ready for it now you don't do you need to are you right. ready for that time well, like, see, are you see, ready for that other, that's the other thing okay so that that was the other side of the thought though whereas like because i know that feeling of like when you're so into a game especially i think that like i think it, it happens for me with a lot of different types of media and a lot of different types of things but video games are, are a unique version of that because you become so absorbed in them and so it's like you kind of you hit a point where you're so into it you're scared to actually do it because you know <laughs> You know, like you say, you turn it on and then it's 2 a.m. And, like, that happens to me very rarely. But when it does happen, watch the fuck out, you know? <laughs> and, and and Zelda, is, Breath of the Wild is that game. Yeah. Like, notoriously, people are like, I'm so excited for you to lose your life right now. Like, I'm yeah. so excited for you to just get lost because it's just like, it, it will take you out. So be mindful of that. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, like, I remember watching my partner play it for years, like a movie. Mm. I loved watching him play it. It yeah. was so much fun. Like the storyline's great, the visuals are great. So like, <clears throat> I feel like I know it a little bit, mm -hmm. just because I've watched so much of it. But yeah, it's it's everything. I love it. I love it. It it gives me such a it gives me such an anxiety. Like when I get, I could probably count on my hand the like the the types of the number of games that have like genuinely like stolen my life. But like, but like <laughs> whenever one of those games come around. You know, I I always get this like anxiety around it because I become so into it that like I start getting these weird almost like anger spikes when I'm like not playing it, you know, and I start getting like resentful of my life and I start getting resentful of like having to like, you know, have a job. <laughs> and it's like I have to be so careful around around navigating that now because you know I'm 35 years old like I don't have I don't have the 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 freedom or the flexibility to like just fucking play a video game for 10 hours even though that's like what my conditioning wants to do you know and 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 I I don't know I don't know where my mind goes in that because half of me is Honestly? like yeah James grow the fuck up and then half of me is like that's so sad like I wish we could live in a world where you could like why create a product like this if you can't just do that you know like why what, what else are we what else are we living for you know <laughs> well I, you know i think we're talking about a lot of things so i think mm. we're talking about like capitalism i think we're talking about like, like, but like also we were talking about neurodivergence and mm -hmm. um and how we hyper fixate on things i'm like at a certain point i was like am i only an actor because i'm like hyper fixated on a certain thing like i do it with everything in my life sometimes mm -hmm. i do it with books like mm -hmm. i'll be like going through books or like going through like high fantasy when i discovered mm -hmm. neil gaiman i remember oh. i lost my life for a little while yeah so you know at that same time a friend would might be like james don't be so hard on yourself yeah, <laughs> you yeah absolutely. absolutely because like you do that me might do that in all, all aspects of your life Mm -hmm. I wasn't laughing because it was funny. I was laughing because it's so relatable. Yeah. <laughs> Do you yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. So relatable. Sometimes I'm like that. I get resentful about having to take care of myself. Having to exactly or go to the bathroom. Oh my like, God. <laughs> the like, I, I talk about this and this is like one of my reoccurring. I'm sure my therapist, Scott, shout out Scott, um, has like probably heard me say this a thousand times through the years where it's like, but I just ate yesterday. Like, why do I have to do it again? You know, like, what the fuck? <laughs> you know? 
<laughs> like, I can't just... I just be done with that because I already did it? Can I do something fun now? You know? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> or like, I just ate well yesterday. Yes. You know, do I have to eat well again today? Can't I fuck shit up today? Can this is forever. Up? Like, I can't, I can't, you know, like, are you fucking kidding me? I just, if I, I eat wanna... gross today, I'm going to get diarrhea again. again? Yeah. Right. Exactly. You know, it's like, it's that, like, it's that, like, it's like the burden of, of being a body, you know, like, it's like the burden like of being thing incarnated is, I, as this. I don't think that eat to live or live to eat qualifies either because i do love food and i do enjoy mm, food absolutely you know, like some people are like oh you're my, you just live you eat to live and i was like i don't know if i do i think mm. I, I i like to eat certain things and don't like other things mm-hmm. i know some people that are just like just pack the calories in just like mm-hmm. beige food as long as it feeds me and i'm just like yeah. i can't do that either no 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 so yeah i don't know but that is relatable yeah I want to I want to spin away to I want to spin back to something because you mentioned something about you know you 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 brought up uh, being an actor and and um, you know we we talked pretty extensively about it in the last episode but mm. um, since then um, I'm really curious about what your experience has been like returning to the stage in this sort of like you know I know it's a wishy washy I think the simplified version is saying post pandemic even though it's like now we're now COVID is just fucking ubiquitous so it's a funny. I don't know if it's proper to call it that, but like, but like, I'm curious about your experience because you're currently in a show right now, and and I'm really wondering what that experience has been like returning to the stage, and and I guess, um, what is the scene feeling like in terms of like adapting and recovering from the massive turmoil of the last couple of years? Wow, James, what a a beautifully constructed question. Oh, thank you. Um, and huge. I I feel like we could do a whole podcast on that, couldn't we? Oh yeah. I mean, I think it's different, mm-hmm. first of all. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's just, it's different. Uh, I don't know how much, I was thinking about this before I came on, about how like specific I should get into things about, you know, uh, I just feel... We can keep names out, probably. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> <Yeah>. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, like, I just think we're trying to find footing. We're trying to find the audiences, mm-hmm. you know, um, I, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to say we, I think theater is trying to find its place again in yeah. entertainment and yeah. it's trying to find its audience. Um, I think there is an audience like in all demographics that wants to see it, but like, um, you know, theater may have been, it might've been an opinion that theater may have been of an older demographic. Mm-hmm. And now those people are either more anxious to come to the theater or, mm-hmm. you know, aren't interested or maybe not around or are dead so it's um that's interesting also theaters i think have lost a lot of money with like the whole different cast paying out different casts. yes and so like these next first seasons coming out of this post pandemic situation the budgets are wild mm-hmm. um you know they're trying to meet um like engagements that they've made pre-pandemic with That's actors right. that they've contracted there. So it's been a little bit tricky, yeah, rough and weird. But the whole thing that I've noticed the big, the big difference is in the way that agents and theaters and actors all interact. Right, Because okay. some of the, uh, um, the theaters are not taking submissions from um, agents. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So they're just locking them out as a blanket kind of thing. Just like right. we're only accepting from individual clients. So sometimes... Uh, uh, 
it's just finding that footing of what we're doing and why that is. And, you know, if agents need to be around, if you're doing that or, you know, it's just a conversation. I love my agent. Mm -hmm. Um, But if we're doing a lot of that own work, Mm -hmm. if we're doing that own work, our own work, then I don't know. It's just fascinating. I've been thinking a lot about it as far as personally, which I maybe Mm -hmm. think is what you were more asking is, um, I was really anxious coming out of the pandemic. I feel like my my anxiety level, kind of like the barometer and the meter on it, have just like shifted forever. Yes. Um, and so, I'm trying to make like <laughs> during the pandemic. We talked about this last time how we were doing a lot of therapy over the pandemic. Yeah. And um, one of the things that came out of that therapy was this book. Um, set boundaries find peace mm, which mm-hmm. I, is one of my favorite books nedra glover twab um i've read it multiple times i need to get the workbook but mm, what about that is like I, I have a problem with boundaries mm-hmm, just in my mm-hmm. life mm-hmm. and so not only coming back into this industry after the pandemic with all the different things physically and all the way that we're working differently um but also um trying to operate differently mm-hmm. in that in a way that I've never operated before. Mm-hmm. So that's been a little bit more, you know, tricky. You know, when people don't get what they want from you, they will, you know. Push you. Exactly. And that's not malicious. That's just mm-hmm. human nature. Mm-hmm. So, you know, having all those conversations with myself, having all those conversations with my therapist, being like, you know, these relationships are looking different now. These relationships, I love, you know, these people and I want to be in their lives, but I think our relationship is going to look different now. Mm-hmm. So that's just been a fucking daily reprieve which has been good (laughs) (laughs) which has been good but like at the same time it's been interesting coming back to like i'm in edmonton right now when this when this goes up i don't know when it's going to go up i probably won't be in edmonton but um i'm from edmonton so being in edmonton and catching up with people and you know setting boundaries like it's a huge thing i don't set boundaries for my bloody self Mm -hmm. much less for other people I'm just like this noodle that just wafts around. So it's been it's been fascinating. That that part's been interesting. Do you find and then the third like, tier? Oh yeah, please, please. Sorry, you know, <laughs> yeah, sorry. I I, I just I, I was going like, and I was just gonna be like, well, you're saying you're saying so many things that I'm just like so like I just want to grab each, but I want I want to let you go. Please don't. The let last me, thing, I, the third tier is just this. No, you did it. You you had a clean entry there, but it was just um, third tier is it's a little bit more work in the Canadian industry. We don't have swings generally. Right. So yes. Now we need either swings or understudies, and how that works out mm-hmm. is a little bit more taxing than the industry was before. I personally mm-hmm. think we should just have swings. It's like, wow, everyone's like, what are we gonna do? Oh my goodness, when are we gonna rehearse? All the understudies, like almost every show, it's like, what are we gonna do? I was like, if only there was this device in theater called the bloody swing mm-hmm. that like solved all of these problems that works amazingly in other, you know cultures and countries we can should you, probably can you for um can you for just for for audiences um that okay. that don't know what it is could you explain what that what that term means so like basically a swing would cover between all of or some of the tracks in the show so if there's four people in the show the swing might cover those two uh, uh two ensemble parts mm-hmm. and then the two ensemble roles might be understudied understudying the leads so gotcha. that when one goes on for the lead the swing goes up to the ensemble part mm-hmm. and so if there's multiple ensemble parts sometimes the swing is like one swing covers all the girls another swing covers all the boys sometimes the female swing covers everybody you know mm-hmm. it's 2023 you know we can get away with things on stage being presented in different bodies Fuck yeah. um and so 
so that's that. But like uh, sometimes in theater, they say, well, let's just get everybody to understudy. Right. And so then, but you can't, you have to pay people more if your understudies go, uh, rehearsals go past 10 days of your opening and you've just been through tech. And so it ends up people are getting sick and people are like, yes. and you're just like, why don't we just grab a, a, just a hot, cute swing off the front? <laughs> and, then, and, then, and then we'd all just be like trotting along. But mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so it's interesting. So that, that that's the third tier. Hmm. Do you find that it's like that they're, oh my God, there's just, there's so many directions I want to go with it, with this, the, <laughs> this line of thinking. Cause there's, you know, like you say, there's just so many things at, at play and factoring in, um, you know, the idea of the funding of the model has actually not changed that much. And like the way that theaters are being funded hasn't mm. changed in that or time. It's, it's changed for more. Or exact well, but this, but this is the thing. But is that are you? So I'm like out. I'm out of the game. I haven't. I I've seen one play since moving back to Vancouver. Mm. I like. I like. Fair. I don't participate. I'm done. I am out. You know. Um, <laughs> um, you know, for 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 some healthy and some unhealthy reasons. You know. I love um, that. And, and I'm, and I'm, and I think, I think, you know, long-term right now it's better. I'm better off for it, but like, but because of that, I am very unfamiliar with what's truly, truly happening. You know, like I used to be really plugged in and I used to be able to see what was going on behind the scenes. And, and I'm curious from your observations about like, you know, the funding is changing, but the needs of the artists are changing and the needs of the audience is changing and the demands of those groups is, is has changed and it, it there was so much chaos over 2020 2021 2022 there all this turnover of leadership and are you seeing that funding actually making it to the stage or is that getting sucked up elsewhere um, or is that something that you're even necessarily a, you know able to see or not you know i you know that's a very very good question i'm sure that it is yeah that is not something I'm able to see. Or sure. th- not something that I'm even looking at um, actively. But you're right that I'm... Because I... it used to be something like, like for me, like my observations were always really frustrated by the, especially the regional theater model, because, you know, mm-hmm. you would see these big theaters receiving hundreds of thousands of dollars annually from these big Canada Council grants, but they would be they not a dollar would make it past the admin office you know and so it was like so it was like how the fuck are you even funding all these plays when the major you know when the major funds are just going to administration so that you can then pretend to run a theater you know and and it just didn't make any sense to me you know like it's it's i don't know i don't think i understand actually across the board because um Sometimes I look at the funding putting into certain aspects of a production or certain um, budgets in a production like marketing or things like that. Mm-hmm. And I'm just like, are, like, where is these like triple, quadruple digit figures going? Mm-hmm. Where is it going? Mm-hmm. Um, because, yeah, so I, I, and again, like I have opinions, but my opinions are somewhat uninformed. Like I don't do, I don't do, um, men i don't do right. a lot of creative kind of like i'm like a jobbing actor yeah, like, yeah. Like, so, you know and i i've, I've kind of stayed in that lane too so i do mm. have frustrations at, at some things post-pandemic but at the same time i don't i think i have enough information to talk intellect intelligently about it yeah that's okay do you find do uh, i can i can shift to a little bit more of a of a 
something you'll have personal experience with, and this mm, is actually mm. something I'm actually m- much more interested in, is, you know, the theater scene, art scenes in general are very, um, I don't know if the word is insular, but, like, they're very close-knit, you know, and they're very, very tied in, they're very um, um, enmeshed, you know. To Incestual? Use yeah, 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 yeah. I was trying to use I was trying to use a clinical term that was still kind of unhealthy, you know. You know, they're very, very they're very codependent. They're very enmeshed, you know. And and I'm curious, I'm curious if you're seeing again, there was just there was so much volatility and there was so much overt hostility towards members of the community in a really, really small community. And I'm curious, are you observing people showing up? differently for each other as friends within this community or are you is there is it more fractured than before or is it more you know inclusive like what are, what what's your experience in the, in that regard um so my, my and i'm not trying to like lead you anywhere you know what no, i mean no, i'm no, not no, trying no, to no, imply no, no, anything no. i'm just i'm curious yeah, what no, your observations totally are. Yeah. and like i could speak to this as like a um like sexual preference like mm-hmm. racially like um, um or i could also speak to this in like a post um covid kind of way hmm. i mean i'd love to hear both i'd love to hear both directions because i think they're both really valid and really really important to be heard <laughs> so, <you know. laughs> i guess post covid i'm really blessed in the fact that i've done a lot of like hoofing in my youth like when I was really young, I'm I'm the ripe old age of I've turned forty like two weeks ago. Congratulations! So, That's so exciting. Thank you. Thank you. Um, oh so like God, so... <laughs> incredible. Oh my what? God! What this oh mug? Huh? Ah! <laughs> Screaming. So um, so I have um relationships with a lot of communities from like BC, Alberta, mm-hmm. Saskatchewan, like. Um, and during COVID, it was tricky because it was like, it even got more insular. Yes. It was like, we're not seeing anybody from outside, which I completely understand. That's, you know, that's what happens. Exactly. You know, what was frustrating during that time is still creatives were going everywhere. So it was yes. like, we can get creatives from anywhere, but our theater, like actors have to come from local. And I don't know if that was just to appease local voices or like opinions in certain, you know, areas or... Um, I think it's important to um, bring in people from other places as well as it is important to nourish the artistic community in where you are. Yes. It doesn't matter where you are. Um, And I think there's amazing different levels, like the indie level, the professional level, like the community theater level. Like I think all of those are really important. Mm-hmm. Um, but if it, if it turns into a, like, we're only employing Edmonton people, because in my mind, the, what I see is they can do this so that that's what I want yeah. and that's fine. I just see the quality of nationally mm-hmm. different. And that's my opinion. And mm-hmm. I get like such contrary opinions and that is absolutely fair. Mm-hmm. Very tolerant to those. But that is my opinion mm-hmm. that like when I was working regionally, it gave me, it was so helpful and resourceful for me to make friends with Larry Mantle and Wes Tritter and these guys that were coming in from other places that were bringing energy, bringing knowledge, bringing, you mm-hmm. know, ways of working. 
<laughs> it was everything. So that makes me sad that maybe if there's people that are trying to come up and that are, you know, I mean. It becomes kind of stagnant if you're only ever seeing the same people over and over again. It becomes unchallenging, you know, and you get you get really you get really safe, you know, and that's sort of like I don't I don't believe in the idea of like making I don't think art has to be dangerous, but I think that art should try to challenge you know like it 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 doesn't necessarily have to always be the most visceral intense experience of your life but like but like i think that genuine art comes from a place of challenging something within yourself and if you're complacent and if you're just doing something because it's cheap and it's safe and it's easy then like why why are you doing it you know like well that's a great question why are you doing it so a lot mm. of places are like we're doing it for the sustainability of our theater we're doing it for this and you're like okay sure. but like if you're doing it because you don't want to deal with people who there will always be complaints there will mm -hmm. always be people who don't get work exactly we're in an industry where it's like emotions and stuff so sometimes that's louder and sometimes we try to honor that more but like any other industry would not be participating in this conversation exactly, <laughs> like, exactly. so why are we now anyways but yeah um, Do you think that that's a form like, and I don't say this to be disparaging to the artist community, but like, do you observe that as a form of entitlement, or do you see that as a form of like sort of misunderstanding the industry that they've gotten into? I don't know. I just think it's or is it something else? Is that is it you? neither of those? You know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. That's a very good question. And I don't have an answer for it. But like one of the things that I would want to like play around with an answer would be like, is it because we work so closely to ourselves and our, yeah. our businesses are so personal and we try mm -hmm. to protect them and we try to make sure that they stay alive mm -hmm. and are healthy, you know? And so maybe because they mean so much, mm -hmm. it, it's easier to protest for our, what we want or, ask for what we want or scream or yell or mm -hmm. make other people feel smaller for what we want you know mm -hmm. well it's almost like you know artists are sort of the 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 first they're like the first influencers right you know if if an influencer's <laughs> if an influencer's product is themselves uh -huh. then like what is an artist you know yeah. like and so yeah. so you you have to be an advocate for yourself you know i'm like yeah. by no means am i trying to get across or communicate that like you know people people yelling about this or that or the other thing or whatever their the complaints are 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 invalid or or shouldn't be heard it's it's mm. it's just this funny it's this really funny push pull and i think it actually it brings me back to something you mentioned earlier that i wanted to readdress is this idea of um you were talking about boundaries in art and how um sometimes setting a boundary can feel like you're actually withdrawing from the art and and i'm wondering what like we're in a really sticky time culturally where it's really hard to discuss really, really vulnerable and really, really difficult subject matter without it falling into, um, you know, tribalism or, or really fractured team mentality of black and white. And, and, and um, there's this fear of pushing artists because there has been a long history of abuse in that in that type of behavior. And yet at the same time too, when an artist pushes, they get deeper and they become more honest. And so they're navigating this tightrope. And I'm, I, I'm guess, I think what I'm driving at is, is 
what's your experience been like in in navigating that that sort of miasma of like how far do you push without it being abusive and can you like do you believe you can create great art without being kind of pushy you know so fascinating that's a great question what's a miasma what's a miasma miasma is like a like a it's like a floaty it's just sort of like the soup it's like it's just the that. miasma is like a, a ethereal soup you know like with like a metallic like rainbow on the outside yeah like. yeah i see it as i see it as exactly <laughs> that i i picture i like it's not exactly what it is but i always picture miasma as sort of like have you ever seen like oil on water you know how yes. it's like sort of like dreamy nice. and cloudy nice. yeah that's okay. sort of how i see it yeah um yeah, I um, I was talking about miasma because it was so fascinating. I lost the train of thought. My <laughs> but I had something to say. We were talking about what were we talking about? <laughs> the idea of like pushing artists and being pushy oh, yes. in art. Absolutely. Yeah, I'm here. Um, so yeah, that's fascinating because I was talking to somebody in the cast about this yesterday. And their opinion was, it has to cost something. Yeah. It has to cost something. And I was wow. like, talk me through that. And it's a, fa- a famous person said that. I don't think it was Sondheim, and I don't think it was Woody Allen. But a famous person said it has to cost something. And I was like, I I don't know. I don't know about yeah. that. Yeah. You know, the boundary situation you're saying about, like, it has to it has to push people. It has to, you have to, it has to cost what if the cost of it is the work or what if the cost of it is the, the, the preparation? I mean, mm-hmm. it's the whole thing about actors, right? Like some people, some people don't. That's one of the biggest things that you learn. Yeah. It's like the two differences between actors. It's not like, um, sorry. Um, so like, is it the preparation? Is it going through all of it? Is it, um, is it the work that of the sacrifice, you know, in your life, your, your mm-hmm. friend group that you're on a different schedule than everybody? Like, where is that sacrifice? Where is the cost? Does the mm-hmm. cost have to come as a whipping boy to a toxic mm-hmm. masculine director who has no emotional intelligence at all? Yes, I've been in that situation. Exactly. Yes, yeah, exactly. Shit. Yep. So, yep. um, I don't, I don't think it has to be that just because I don't want to believe that. Exactly. <laughs> I agree. I agree. But, um, that cost, that's, that, it set me, set me thinking, I was thinking about it last night when I was going to bed, I was like, what is the cost? Like, what can that cost be? Does the cost has, have to be? And then you're talking about, if you're talking about like all this work and the, the work that's deep and gritty, I mean, the deep, the work that is hard to watch sometimes, the work mm-hmm. that is, you know, pushing boundaries. <laughs> I saw. But then sometimes too, sometimes too. Like a cost doesn't always have to be seen as a loss too, oh, right? You know? I love that. I love right? that. You know, like, and, and at the same time too, like, I'm not trying to, I don't think I'm trying to drive at like, the only good art is art that's sad. Because I think there's great art that evokes joy. And I think that there's great art that evokes you know, nostalgia. And, you know, I think, you know, like I'm watching right now, I'm watching Gravity Falls. I'd never seen it before. It's like an old cartoon from like the Disney channel. And I think it's great art and it's really light, but it's very, there's like a really deep like lore to the world and it's really joyful and they make sure to not fall into the pitfalls. It's about a uh, uh, two twin siblings and like throughout the whole run, they never like fall into the pitfall of like the bickering twins and stuff. And like that to me is great art because they challenged themselves to push beyond the 
caricatures that we rely on, you know? And so I think that's maybe a, a part of what I'm driving at is that like, yeah, dr- great art doesn't just mean like the, the, the fucking crime and punishments of the world. It's like, it's like, it's like the artist had an impulse and pushed themselves past their safety point, you know? Um, and I think that's maybe to me what the cost implies is like how far into the wilds were you willing to go to capture the impulse, you know? And so, and that cost is that it, it pushing them beyond uh, the point of comfort? Is that what you Yeah, mean? I think so. And, I think and so. And that yeah. you wouldn't classify that as love. I don't think so. Um, because it could be growing, yeah. right? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. But like at the same time, you know, doing uh, a kid's tour of Gravity Falls mm-hmm. may not require the kind of emotional gymnastics that an act- actor might have to push themselves to as opposed to doing a new version of the Laramie project it's just exactly popped into my head. yes yep you know you, you know or or something even about like some dangerous subject matter mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. that kind of rehearsal is going to have more at stake than um the noises off Yes, um, sure. You know, there's going to be a physical cost. Yes, yeah. yeah, <laughs> yeah. but like, uh, so you know, when you say that, I like totally see that. But I also see that a lot of those projects are the ones that ca- are causing these. Maybe when you have somebody leading out that doesn't have the emotional intelligence, yes, that isn't getting an intimacy director in, or mm-hmm. the intimacy coaching didn't go well, and now this actor has changed forever. Yes, um, yeah, you know, and that was a, too much of a cost, in my opinion. But oh, I agree wholeheartedly. Yeah. <sighs> Yeah, well, and that's, that's and I think that's and I think that's the, the 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 coin flip of it, where it's like, I think people are, I think artists really, you know, they want, they want to be special, right? You know, I think that's what so much of it boils down to is they want to be special and they want to be the one who says the true thing, and and that's what I think I'm driving at. You know, I keep on sort of re re-examining what I'm saying and what I'm trying to ask. And I think that it, it a part, an element of it comes back to this idea that like, I think it's important to push, but I think it's also important to know, like you have to first know what your limits are in order to know what you're pushing against. And how many if you're people going know that? To, that's exactly right. That's exactly right. So you have, so you, you have to do that work first before you even know what you're pushing against so that you know how far you're going. And it's like, that's, yeah, it's like, it's such a trapeze work, you know, like it's, it's, um, you're, you're, and yeah. And the, and the, there's so many risks involved, you know, and truly like, you know, this is maybe taking it off a different way, but truly I think that sometimes people go away from a show and they're like, Oh, that was good. You know, it wasn't great, but it wasn't mm-hmm. good. And I was like, well, this and this and this. And they go, oh, well, like, we didn't even notice that. But like, and I was like, but you did. You absolutely did. Yep. You know, just because you're not, you're, you didn't pick up that, it, it added to the, like, psychosomatically, it added to the whole experience. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, um, and that's where you get those things that are just like, that was amazing. Mm-hmm. And, and then you, you hear that the rehearsal was great and the director was great and everyone feels seen and heard. And you're just like, oh my gosh, wonderful. You know, mm-hmm, I saw mm-hmm. that transcendent. Sometimes you get these pieces on stage. You're like, "This is scary for me to watch." Yeah, you know. Do you find in your in your artistic process? Do you find that, like, how do you tap into your performative emotions? Trauma. 
Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I'm, just joking, I'm just joking. I'm just joking. I'm just joking. I'm just like Jamie Lee Curtis. I'm just like well, trauma. Yeah, right? Family trauma. <laughs> it's called being alive, baby. <laughs> <laughs> but it's like, but it's like, you know, because you hear about all these different acting processes and you hear mm. about people who require genuinely experiencing the one-to-one version of that trauma in order to represent it. And then you hear about people who just drop in and, and you know, play pretend that they're feeling it, you know? Yeah. And, and so I guess I'm just curious about what your process within mm. that is, you know, accepting that everybody's acting is different and everybody's Definitely. approach is different, right? I think like uh, that is that story of um, Lawrence Olivier when I think Dustin Hoffman was running around the woods and yeah. Lawrence Olivier was like try acting. Right. right. He's just like, he's I like love- I'm trying to get tired. He's like, well, oh, try acting like just acting. Yeah. I like. Oh my god, I love I love stories about that generation of actors being like, just like thinking that the next generation are just fucking lunatics because they're just like, have you ever just tried pretending? You know. <laughs> So I'm a big school of the pretend, you know, but I'm also yeah. a big school of like finding something genuine that doesn't even have to be play based, mm-hmm. script based, but between or or what you're trying to convey, if it's you in the audience or if it's you in a certain piece, a song, or if it's if it's movement, if it's a relationship on stage, if it's in a scene, um, you know, finding something authentic and something that connects those two people or you to the thing will help you be authentic to watch. Mm. Whether it's about, so you can be in that scene and going through whatever process the director has you going through, whether it's incredibly like excruciatingly, you know, vulnerable, or it's like high stylized physical art that you're having a hard time executing because just like the acting kind of proficiencies are so intense Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. that connection i think the connection is the thing that makes it magic to watch in a space and i think that word authenticity you know i think that word authenticity because i think i think that we naturally feel it as an audience i don't think Mm -hmm. i don't think you can avoid feeling authentic or inauthentic work you know and i think that's what so much for me i think that's what leaves me feeling so cold so often Mm. coming out of especially theater because it's my deepest wealth of experience is coming out of shows feeling like you know not using that word but i think in in reflection realizing that i was like that was really inauthentic and i could see how detached the performers were from intentions or from you know whatever it might be Mm -hmm. you know like I um I was in, I was doing um Romeo and Juliet and this amazing, very uh, you know, proficient actor um Kent Allen. He he saw mm. me out of the side of the rehearsal. I was doing Mercutio Death, and he like kind of hung out and I was like talking to him about how like I never died on stage before and you know and how did this and that and we were talking and he was like well why don't we chat about it and he helped me out so immensely in that show and then for a couple of years. But um, I really love Kent Allen. I really, I love, Kent I, I love so him. Yeah. <laughs> we love you, Kent. Um, and so, um, and he was just—he's like, not I, listening to this. But if he is, I'll message him. I was in a rehearsal. I was in my fitting here. I'm not going to say where I am, but I was in my fitting here, and and I'm like, look over, and there's a picture of Kent Allen with Sherry from Three of Co- Three's, <laughs> Three's Company <laughs> on the wall I in my fitting, it. and I was like, what the is this doing here? Like, <laughs> love it. Love it. It's just a little guardian angel. I know. He's he's been everywhere. He's done everything. Um yeah. and he was just like Robbie's and he's like, You gotta just pretend. Yeah. Like nobody's died. Nobody knows how like 
is lived to see how this should Whoa, go. Oh, wow. He's like, <laughs> like, these deaths, you just got to go with like what it might be, you know? Yeah. I was like, yeah, like we go through fake situations all the time. Why do we think that the supremely harrowing ones that are just so out, like beyond our control are the ones that we have to put ourselves through in order for it yes. to be authentic? Yes. Yeah. Wow. Do you, um, do you trust artists? No. Ah, I don't know. I don't know. What do you mean? Define that. That's just, that's just one of the questions I had on my list of just like, do you find, do you find yourself trusting artists? I, I want to ask you, do you trust artists? I, I want to see how you frame this. I'm going to get not some for, as well. I'm, I'm listening. Not for, yeah, yeah. Not for a second. I, um, I, I think that, I think that's what, I think that's the joy and the beauty of being an artist is that you're, if it if you really boil it down, one of the key elements of being an artist is you're a paid liar, you know. And but I think the danger comes in when you when you mistake your artist self for your real life self, you know. Okay. And and I think that that's where it spills over because a lot of people don't leave the art in the art room; they bring it with them wherever they go, you know. And and that makes them really untrustworthy. You know? That's fascinating. I haven't heard it like broken down like that before and i love that i mean i've, I've definitely heard that sentiment it, sometimes i feel a little bit um my feelings get hurt when people say that to me because yeah. they're like i was like well you're, you know you can't trust him he's an actor yeah. I'm just like, yeah. you know the inside of me i'm like i'm i try it's to really mean, be honest yeah. like i yeah. try to really be honest um so that's fascinating i don't i don't i'm gonna say I'm gonna say yes. I'm gonna say I'm gonna trust. I trust artists. Yeah. Okay. Actors. I, I do and, trust and then, actors. I love until that. they show me otherwise. Yes, and I think that's a really key caveat too. Where you know, because I'm with you. I I'm somebody who like I'll I will, I will always meet somebody with the benefit of the doubt. Always. I'll always the first time I meet you, I will believe you are the best person I've ever met. I will believe you're the most trustworthy. Like I will give you that. How do you do that? You need to tell me how you do that. Um, because um, I do trauma. not. <laughs> <laughs> just answer every question. Just, yeah, yeah, it's going to be just like Jamie Lee Curtis. Yeah, um. yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> just a little JLC, you know what I mean? But, uh, but, but like, you know, I, because I want, I want to believe in the best in people. And so I try to, make myself do that the problem comes in because i'm so hyper i become so hyper fixated like i'm not arguing that this is actually a healthy approach i actually don't think it is oh. i know I, I i but i default to that right i default mm -hmm. to giving people the trust that i want to give them my problem comes in when someone shows me they're not trustworthy then it's gone it's shattered and it's like oh yeah you're just another one and then it breaks you know and 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 it's really fucking hard for me to get it back after that, you know? It's funny because, like, you, you said something that's relatable to me, which is, like, once it's gone. And I think, like, I have a lot of, um, I don't even like saying the word triggers anymore, but, like, I have a lot of, like, <laughs> when, yeah. with certain, certain like, um, stereotypes of people that I will just instantly assume, like, for instance, if you're, like, a very mask-presenting man, Mm -hmm. And you are in some way like physically representing that. Um, generally, I will just go, ooh, and I'll just push mm -hmm. you. Like mm -hmm. with just energy in a social situation, I'll just be like, I'm going to start here. 
Mm-hmm. You know, you got to come here before I'm going to go back. And I think that's unfair. I truly think yeah. that's unfair on myself. Because yeah. um, they just have body dysmorphia, you know. <laughs> <laughs> or, or or the hands of some of those people in my past has been, I'm like, this is safe to do this right off the bat as opposed yeah. to not. Yeah. But that is unfair. Um, and, and so there's, I've lost my train of thought. That's okay. That's okay. Um, oh, but actors is the same. Yeah. So trusting actors is like, I generally really, like you said, want the best in people, but also I want to please people and yeah. I want them to like me. Mm-hmm. And so often that is me listening and like being, okay, let's, let's do that. Let's, let's be, okay. They said that. Yes. Yes. And okay. And you know, we both have very active minds, very mm-hmm. loud minds. Like mm-hmm. it's like a, like Wembley, like in there, it's just, <laughs> <laughs> we're like, yeah. Um, and so like, more of Twickenham actually, but like, <laughs> and, <laughs> and, and so sometimes what I, like, it takes a lot of energy to, you know, so I'm on board with somebody, I'm like actively believing them. But then as soon as those things, I'll be like, okay, they did that. Okay. They did that. That is now information for me to not to trust them or to keep mm-hmm. them in this safe space, keep space between so that we both mm-hmm. can, because Truly, I don't think a lot of people know the authentic self, like my authentic no. self. No. Very, very guarded individual, but like yeah. I have a very well curated, gregarious personality mm-hmm. um, that, you know, people do maybe tricks some people into thinking that is that is me, you know? Yeah. Well, and that's a form of, I mean, we've talked, uh, you know, off and on, we've dipped in and out of talking about neurodivergence and like that's a huge masking technique right is to just like put on the put on the mask that you think that the the other person wants to see you know i i I heard a great i heard a great great quote once a couple years ago about autism where it was like a tweet and someone was like um you know someone was like oh i love your personality and the autistic person says thanks it's yours you know Sorry. Uh, <laughs> you know, scream. Right? right? Exactly. Scream you know? fucking ing. Yeah. That exactly. is so good. That I know. <laughs> right? You know? <laughs> I'm just your mirror here. Like, this That's is the safest it. place to be. <laughs> That's exactly right. That's exactly right. You know? Um, um, a little bit of a follow-up to that, actually, is funny. Is we've, we've already sort of touched on it, but, like, to you, what does it mean to trust someone? Like, what does that even, what does trust even mean? Yeah, man. Um, uh, trust is like a muscle that's like built mm. that is like through loyalty and showing up. And, uh, and how I define showing up is like, is being, being available, being there, wanting to be there. So mm-hmm. it, trusting somebody is like, I feel that I have their loyalty, their honesty, and they want to be there mm-hmm. in whatever way that we're, interacting whatever relationship that is they want to be there my romantic relationship with jared you know like that's a daily reprieve like we talk about it all the time being like showing up like what is what does love mean love love means showing up i might mm. not want to be here but i will be mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. so i think trust yeah i can't i can't love someone if i don't trust them yeah yeah um but yeah i don't i don't think i trust very many people mm. i'm with you on that one fascinating yeah. what about you yeah. how do you define trust yeah i think i'm in the same boat um when you talk about uh consistency right because i don't i don't expect out of out of out of the people i love and the people i trust i don't expect them to always be there but what i expect is 
how they can show up to maintain that consistently. So if you can only be with me once a month, once a year, that's okay. But I need that communicated, you know, um, and 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 that to be held consistently, you know. Um, um, yeah yeah um and and you know you said you said you don't like triggers and I, the word i use is i always i i've grown to use the word activated is the one it Ooh. activates me you know what i mean it really because because i get activated really easily by a lot of different things i have a lot of activations um i am fucked up you know and um and and i know i don't communicate everything i want to one of my like I've been exploring a lot about like the four F's, you know, fight, flight, freeze, fawn. And um, I'm a big freeze flight. That, that, that's my crossover. So I, when I get activated, I lose my words really fast and I shut down really fast. And um, so it becomes really hard for me to communicate. So mm. it's almost unfair of me to expect that of other people, but I think it's because it's a demonstration in my eyes, of a type of love and a type of support that I can't give. Um, I can give a, a reprieve from fight because I can be calm and I can be rational and I can help talk you down. I can be um, a reprieve from fawn because like, you don't have to please me, you know what I mean? Right. Um, you don't have to, to, to you know, fawn over me, right? You know, you can be present and, and safe. Um, but I can't give support from flight or freeze because that's what I do. And so I think I need, I, I need the op opposite type of connection and the type other type of attachment, you know? Yeah. Interesting. Like when you, when you talk to me about your freeze and, mm. um, like when you say you like your freeze and you don't have the words or you don't mm. like your mind goes blank or like a snow globe, you're like, there's a lot of things that I want to say. Oh, well, and that's just it is that my brain is firing, but I yeah. just like, I, it, they can, my, something stops between my brain and my mouth and it's gone, you know? Right. And I mean, like I can identify or, um, relate to the, that in a way, like I don't, I don't see myself as a fighter. Maybe I am, but like, I do mm. get angry a lot. Mm -hmm. Like mm -hmm. I have a temper. Mm -hmm. And so mm -hmm. when I freeze like that, often I'll just go and I'll just start yes. being angry because yep. I can't. Um, and, uh, and so like the whole communication part of what you said is huge because mm -hmm. I, I'm a really, really bad communicator. Mm. Um, and I was raised in a house where communication was not a thing. It Same. was, it was almost looked down on, like mm -hmm. we held communication to get what we wanted mm -hmm. within the family, without outside of the family, the family against other families, like we held that communication. So now learning on being like, I can't articulate right now. I need five minutes. I need half an hour. Like that has been the biggest game changer, which is yes. wild. It's such yeah. easy behavior therapy. It's like, Hey, yeah. I'm just going to talk about what I'm feeling right now. You know, it's not selfish for me to tell you about what I'm feeling right now because you're angry at me. Right mm -hmm. now, I'm thinking that this is selfish because I'm talking about myself, mm -hmm. but I have nothing to say and I'm just going to start screaming. So mm -hmm. why don't I just go away and I'll come back and probably be in a better state. Mm -hmm. Next, That's level. been a big one. I love that you're doing that. I love because that's a big one for me, too, is because I, you know, these big feelings show up, especially being neurodivergent and, you know, and like there's there's an intersection of trauma response is an intersection of neurodivergence is an intersection of attachment styles. There's all these things that, you know, become a confluence 
in these moments where it's like it just becomes too big for my body and and my 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 natural response is to freeze up and shut down but i don't want that i'm trying to adjust that i'm trying to address it and change it and so i'm doing what you do i that's that's one of the big things i do is i you know um i say i will you know you make sure you communicate you're not leaving and and leaving it open you say i'm i have to go away but i will be back you give a time you give it whatever you give it 20 minutes give me an hour whatever i'll call you back you know and yeah. and and then you take that space and you and you walk you know or you just change your energy you change your body soothe. you know and salve soothe exactly yeah you know like no, um, that's fascinating. So, like, and I, I haven't really done a lot of work on the four Fs. I, I mm. do feel freeze a lot. You know, sometimes mm-hmm. I get really frustrated with that. But like, I don't know how much of that is like with the executive functioning and all that mm-hmm. kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. So, but yeah, that's fascinating. Fascinating. Yeah. Trusting, trusting them. Yeah, yeah. Um, um, we're we're starting to kind of wind down, and I think I wanted to just get to one last sort of big big ethereal question that we can talk about for a couple minutes before we wrap up um pokemon one of the big books one of the big books <laughs> was that sorry pokemon pokemon <laughs> <laughs> what is well, your favorite gonna, pokemon that was, that was gonna be the closer that was gonna be the closer <laughs> sorry that's, that's part two that's it. part two that's the part two that's the that's the next hour you know that's uh sorry. that's for the that's for the patreon exclusive second hour you know but no. <laughs> <laughs> join us on patreon <laughs> right, right um so y- y- one of the big books that I read this year that um, just changed my life is this book about um, healing uh, um, complex PTSD. And one of the elements that it talks about, it, it's this concept about being good enough. And um, because a lot of a lot of trauma stems from this need for perfection and perfection then shuts you down because if you can't be perfect, then don't do it. Right. And so it's about dismantling that and just being good enough. Uh, it originates with this concept about good enough parenting. Right. It's not about being a perfect parent. It's about being a good enough parent because you can't be a perfect parent. Um, and so I've been extrapolating that to all the elements of my life. And I guess what I'm what I'm driving at for a question to you is, is um, do you first of all, do you feel those kind of shame loops and those kind of shame spirals of perfectionism? And do you find that you have any resources that you employ to try and dismantle those and just sort of like be good enough, you know? Mercy. (laughs) (laughs) That, oh, mercy. Okay, yeah, you know, that's huge. You know, Mm. and um, I I don't feel like I'm a perfectionist. um, But... I think I do strive for perfectionism and I just, when you said that, it just really, um, this whole thing about like this Brene Brown quote that came into my head about like how perfectionism is literally the opposite of authenticity. Yes. It's just like, if you're perfect, you're safe. No one can touch you. And you, and if you, if you're never wrong and always fighting your point, you're perfect, you're safe, Mm -hmm. you're not vulnerable. You're not living, you're not alive. Mm -hmm. You know, like, so, and you can also be the opposite. You can be a perfect failure too, which is something that I, I struggle with where it's like, oh, I knew I was going to be a loser. So now I am a loser. So now I'm a perfect loser, you know? And it's like that opposite <sighs> shit, right? No, talk to me more about that. What? Well, well, it's like, it's like, you know, because I think that, I think that for me, I didn't mean to step on you. No, sorry. I love it. Well, it's just that it, I think for me, it's that it's this idea of like, 
my demands of perfectionism in my art and in what I create and what I put in the world um, actually start in my baseline shame and start in my baseline belief that I'm not good enough and I'll never be good enough. And so trying to be perfect will always fail so that so that when I don't do it or when I try a little bit and give up and fail, then I'm just as safe as being perfect because now I'm a perfect loser as I always knew I would be. You know? Oh, so there's always that, there's always that underlying feeling. Exactly. Yeah. Mercy. Like what, like she's really clear on is that striving for perfectionism is excellent. Hmm. It's wonderful. Having the blueprint of trying is life is the yes. journey. Like, yeah the goal the upward pursuit like but being there is not possible so basically Brene Brown is just recycling Buddhism <laughs> you know like, like well yeah or like making it American savvy you know like yeah. but like it's fascinating so when you're talking about like being good enough you know I have this I have a really good friend shout out Jordan in in the UK who like we have these big big kind of like voice note chats about like mental health and life and trauma and being good enough. And, and it's a huge thing because even recently I've been talking to him, how I feel like a lot of my relationships, family, friends, chosen family, um, professional, everything's at a deficit constantly. Mm -hmm. And I'm always just trying to keep everyone else's what I view everyone else's expectations, not their actual expectations. Let's be very yes. clear. That's the narrative, right? That's the narrative <laughs> like, you feed yourself. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Or the needs and nobody's expressed any needs, but mm -hmm. you know, um, or I'll freeze. And the way people have gotten what they wanted around me in the past has been, let's just do it anyways. Robbie will be there. And mm -hmm. so I don't answer. I freeze out. And then I end up just trying to meet everyone's needs. And then my needs aren't being met. Then I injure mm -hmm. myself. Then my mental health goes down. Then I'm not, you know, showing up for my lover. Mm -hmm. You know, the person that I'm is supposed to be the most important person is actually my unconditional support so that I ditch that and then show up for everybody else because mm. I want to be good. I want to be enough. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. it's, it's, it's a big thing for me. It consumes a lot of my time structuring my week being like, because I'm, I'm, I'm very introverted as well. I enjoy mm -hmm. my own space. I enjoy being by myself. Mm -hmm. um, I need to recharge. I need to be, you know, if I spend too much time out, I can't focus on my job on yeah. stage and I will do it proficiently. Girl, I'm a professional, <laughs> but like, okay, but yeah. like, but that's not my job. My job mm. is to be that character. And if I'm not doing that and giving, you know, I need to, to draw boundaries in my life that make it possible for me to do what I want to do that, that makes me feel like less than. So like, that's something that we work on a lot with in therapy right now. I yeah. actually can't really say that I have too much, too many like behavior therapy that I do or things that is coming to head to my mind right now, because it's all been such an active upward hill recently of like mm. communicating mm -hmm. and trying to like, be like, I can't do that. Or um, what are your expectations in this situation? Or what are your expectations when you fly in this weekend? Mm -hmm. um, I, these are my, what I'm able to do. And that leaves me with guilt. Yeah. And that leaves me with, you know, but like Gabor Morte, the amazing mm -hmm. Gabor Morte, who's like, if you are feeling guilty, have a celebration. Yes. Like, 
blow up a balloon because you're choosing yourself, your innermost authentic self. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. I don't, I think feeling guilty for bad reasons, you know, there's difference. This is balance. I'm not saying that guilt, feeling guilty about not picking your child up from school is like, uh, yeah, yeah. more taste like, well oh, done, yeah. Janet. Well done. <laughs> no, there's you know? a nuance here and I'm with you. I'm following it and it's beautiful. You know? Yeah. You know, so. That's been a big thing, being here in Edmonton, meeting up with people, trying to meet social, like I haven't seen people that I have gone to school with, but I'm like, being able to show up for myself, feeling guilty that I'm not, like, can't do that, sorry. Mm-hmm. Is that, that they're that, I'm all over the place, babe. I'm so sorry. I that, love that, it. I love that it. Lady Gaga quote when she's talking to NYU. <laughs> um, she's like, she's sitting there and she's like, you know, I people were asking what I wanted to do with my life and you know i was taking pictures and i was getting all this stuff and i was just like fuck it no i'm not doing that i'm not posing for you i'm not signing that it's like yeah. because it doesn't feel good when all i'm used for and my passion and my creative passion is just used for money making mm-hmm. you know at, at her level we can look at it and be like oh my god you know she has all, everything what could she be complaining about sure. but at the same time at the, the bottom level of me, you know, earning 30000 a year, just joking, I earn my butt, you know, like <laughs> sitting there, <laughs> barely, but like just sitting there and she's just like, at the end of the day, you can, I've looked at myself in the mirror. I'm like, as I started to say no and start to draw these boundaries, I'm like, oh, I can fuck with you every night. Hey, how are you? It's been a while since I've seen you. Yes. You know, yes. and so it's that kind of thing where I'm like, I'm able to feel a little bit more comfortable in my own skin. I'm able to be like, hey. Hey, Robbie, how's it going? Let's go to bed tonight, you know? Yes. So yes. that's been a little win, you know, yep. Yep. Uh, with, but it's harrowing times and people, you know, having different behavior with, you know, your friend groups or your family or your chosen family and mm-hmm. having, having to have that communication. Communicating is hard. <laughs> yes. Fuck though, isn't it? <laughs> Robbie, I just, I just think the fucking world of you. I love you so goddamn much. I just, I just think you're so magic, and it's. Like, what are we gonna so... do a podcast? What is, what is our podcast? What, what is, is our, our podcast? Life? We gotta figure it out. Let's talk. Let's talk. <laughs> you know, I honestly, I, I mean, it's, it's honestly probably not a bad idea. You know, <laughs> what would the intersection be? We talk about like art and mental health and trauma and art, and, mental and health, and Pokemon. And trauma. And Jamie Lee Curtis. And Jamie Lee Curtis, exactly. You know what's that like? Oh, what's that show? I've only ever seen the like the like meme of it, but there's that like scene where she's like the aerobics instructor, and John Travolta is watching her and like getting really into it, and she's like pushing oh, and pulling, and she's doing I all her like steps. And she's so fucking hot, and it's we'll have to discuss like, it next time. Hard body, you know. Oh my god, she's so hot right now. I just Fuck watched no. Everything Everywhere all the time, uh, all at once the other day. I'm, yeah, I'm in love with her. I'm in love with her. I'm yeah. screaming. I'm yeah. absolutely screaming. Yeah. yeah. Anyways. No, she's having a resurgence and I'm here for her. I was actually, I last thought, um, I was just having a conversation with a friend of mine uh, a couple weeks ago where we were talking about how um, I don't need any male actors to ever have a comeback. Like, you had your chance, you're done. It's fine. I don't give a fuck. But I want every single female actor ever to have an a, like a second career all every single time give me more julianne Moore. give <gasps> me more fucking you know like give me some jamie lee curtis give me like just like give me some laura dern you know what i mean oh! just like, just, like give, give them she all never to laughed. me she never well she did that's true that's true that's true well she got blackballed because of all her stuff with ellen and that really oh, sucked for yeah. her you know oh, but yeah. like but like but like i just want i want every female actor to just like I, I i hate to caveat it that way but it's just like i always want them to have a you want to see more. 
Yeah, yeah. We had we already had Robert De Niro. I don't give a fuck. I don't need old Robert De Niro. I you know we're done. We're good. You know I'll just watch Raging Bull again. I don't care. What but about like, the eighty for Brady with like, you know Rita Morano, Sally oh, Field, yeah, well, exactly. Lily Tomlin, oh oh. Jane Fonda. It's like yes. all of them. <laughs> give me all of them. Give me all of them. You know, That's like true. just put them in the movie. You know, yes. like fucking. You know, and like we're not getting enough Michelle Pfeiffer. We're just getting her in little Marvel movies. Oh, like, yes. give me some fucking let yeah. Michelle Pfeiffer act. You know, like, <laughs> start like a petition, right? You know, like come on, let her right? act. she like she like she like follows your show. She's like, I don't want to act anymore. It's, oh, okay, it's, that's fine. It's, if you don't want it, that's fine. I just I believe in you, Mish. Me and you, we got this. You know, <laughs> Mish. Oh my God, Misha Barton. Yeah, get her back. Get her back. Give me some Misha Barton. Oh my God. It's you know what? Enough time has passed. We could get some of that, like that early two thousands in there. Oh my God. Those like really sad, flat faced girls from Friday Night Lights. You know, I can't remember their names. I never watched a single episode of it. Yeah, they all had kind of. I shouldn't say what they looked like, but but um, but they're great. I'm sure they're lovely. Um, Robbie. I love you so fucking much. Thank you so much for coming on the show again. This You're has welcome, been so lovely. Mate. It's been a pleasure. Thank you so much. I'm just going to take a picture of us here. Absolutely. <laughs> Thanks for having me. Um, do you have anywhere that you would like to send listeners? Anywhere you'd like them to, to, to follow you or find you? Or do you um, want to just be a mystery? I'm on Instagram. Towns, uh, Robbie Towns. I'm on Twitter Robbie. at Robbie Towns. Um, okay. I have a website, but I'm trying to rework it at the moment. So, okay, RobbieTowns.com. But um, send people to I love. I'm loving the podcast. Um, this age as well. Okay, Alberto Soto. He's like a, okay. a Mexican comedian, and he interviews old people in New York. <laughs> he oh. works at like this this elderly living place and he and these people are just hilarious. Some of it is poignant. Sometimes I'm crying. Sometimes I'm screaming. Yeah. yeah I, I love that that podcast. That's what I've been listening to recently. Okay. Yeah. I'm gonna link to it. Uh, all that's gonna be in the show notes. Uh very, very oh, you were gonna you had something to say? I was just gonna say very, very last thing just to wrap up. What is one thing that listeners could try to do this week to be a better friend? I remember this question from last time and mm. I said listen be present in social interactions mm-hmm. um, you can repeat it you can just remind them to try it again you know you know what <laughs> but I've actually um, I'm actually gonna re kind of calibrate that because um, something that I've learned about myself since the last time we chatted is that um, the energy that it takes for me to pay attention to someone's conversation a lot more than maybe someone else would mm-hmm. um so sometimes i'm phrasing like i do all the time <laughs> i phrase the whole world around me through my lens and my eyes of course so maybe the, the thing this week is just to give give your friend the benefit of the doubt mm. if you love them you know give them the benefit of the doubt ask a question ask a non you know um defensive question and just give them the benefit of the doubt because chances are you love them for a reason yeah oh that's wonderful robbie you're the fucking best i don't know i've already said it but i love you so fucking i love you
And that's it. Thanks again to Robbie for coming on the show. God damn it, I just love him so much. If you'd like to give him a follow, I've included his Instagram handle and website in the show notes. And while you're clicking around there, be sure to sign up for the Friendless newsletter. You're going to get a ton of fun updates all throughout the month, including book, movie, and music recommendations, writing prompts, and tips on being a better friend in your everyday life. You'll also get access to my new ongoing series, Hey, Sorry I Missed You, where I've been chronicling this bizarre experience I've been having with a series of anonymous phone calls. All that and so much more. All you have to do is follow the links in the show notes and sign up. It's all free. But that's it for me this week, so I'm just going to wrap it up. Thank you so much for listening, and I hope to catch you back here soon. But hey, I won't worry about that just now, and neither should you, because that is then, and this is now. So for now, I'll just say I love you, and I wish you well. Fun and safety, sweeties. <laughs>